everybody welcome back to the college football uncensored podcast brought to you by saturday down south i'm your host tyler huck and with me as always my co-host chris marler chris another fantastic draft in the books what did you do for the draft anything special sick fell asleep at 4 a.m on friday night falling into my computer that was fun uh it was a it was a long couple days um but it was a lot of deep dives a lot of deep dives. I always like the draft because it's like, I just get excited when there's, especially with this job and social media, when there's, when like everyone is, is focused on the same thing. It's like, you're all watching it together. I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed that. And then yes, yeah, pretty much it. I just did a bunch of, uh, uh, well, say like posts and content, all that kind of stuff. My graphics got picked up from SEC. Like, like the, the conference, the, the, official the official conference SEC Twitter? Instagram account picked up my uh, graphics and, and reposted to the collaboration thing with us. That was really cool. Love that. that. Love me. to see it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. And then just uh, kind of sat there on Saturday and watched the whole, you know, uh, Georgia Bulldogs draft um, extravaganza. You, you sat of- that there all day Saturday and watched the, all the like fourth through seventh rounds. Yeah. This is my job. So <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't say I enjoyed it, that part of it. I also was like <laughs> doing stuff during it. Like Dan came over. I got to tell you about producer Dan. Me and producer Dan went out with New Bay and it yeah, had, so we had a blast. I heard about man. that. Must have been nice. Two thirds of the pod out and about on the town. Well, you, whenever you're invited to stuff, you don't do it. So yeah, I just true. figured you weren't going to. Um, if I would have told you I was buying dinner, assumption. you probably would have. <laughs> also, we're at the Ivy. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to happen for me. Okay, you know what? Point. I was going to save this to the end, but can I just tell you, Producer Dan just fucking getting after it and the story from this weekend. Uh, do you think producer Dan's going to leave this in the, in the podcast? I don't see, There was nothing. I'm not saying anything bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, if, and we'll ask him. I should have asked him beforehand, I guess. But listen, so me and producer Dan shows up to the house in Milton. Um, this is going to shock you. I was running behind. I had to finish uh, some graphics. It's like day three of the draft. And I was just trying to finish up like picks by school, picks by um, conference, then something else. And, uh, and I made a fucking bomb ass Georgia graphic, by the way, which I'll say it right now I'm biased, but it looked better than the one that Georgia made, uh, the Georgia football handle made for themselves. Just, just my own opinion. <laughs> um, so then Dan comes over. I was like, Hey, I'm just going to finish up these like last three graphics. All three of them were incorrect. All three of them that I was finishing up. Cause I was, then I started getting in a hurry and fucked them all up, uh, which was tough to do. And so we went to Superica. We kept drinking. We had uh, we had a blast. And then Liz, the GF, met up with us, and she lives like in walking distance to the Ivy. Which, for those of you who don't know the Ivy, if you love HPV, Bama, you would love UGA. <laughs> God. The Ivy is the worst. It is the absolute worst. <laughs> but it's like right across the street from where we were. And Dan was like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's do it." And we're like, right, "Yeah, totes we go. Let's do it." We walked in. And, and like, we had been drinking for a minute. Okay. And then like Liz starts ordering shots when we got to like, when she got to Super Rica. So it was, so we get there. Things were escalating. You were peaking. Yes. Yes, we were. I mean, very much so. And, (laughs) and so I'm like, if you will, (laughs) these are two things that actually happened. I got up at one point because of something that was said at the table that I was like uncomfortable about. And I made it very awkward and I walked away couldn't find the bathroom, walked into the kitchen, was promptly asked to leave several times from everyone involved there, walked back out, bumped into somebody and dropped my phone on my foot. But as my foot was like moving forward, like, yeah. like when you're walking, but also like a kicking motion. 
and kicked it like 30 feet across the, the outside patio <laughs> to the farthest point of where I was and, and under some table. And I remember this black guy looking at me next, like looking at me, he's standing next to me and I go, it's gone forever, bro. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's gone. I don't know what to say. And I just walked off. <laughs> um, luckily Liz got my phone, but I remember I come and sit back down and Dan is sitting there and he's like, we were, we were having a good time. We were having a very good time. And I look over at Dan, no one says a word to him. Dan just as somebody behind me is like, cause I have my back turned to the crowd. He just goes very emphatically. and just throws up the horns down. Just like, Oh, just to somebody. Behind, I was like, is there a Texas fan? He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> blankety blank right there was and i was like god i love you dan anyway uh, so that was that was did i hear dan you hit the gritty as well uh, you, well that was just a moment of confidence that i have <laughs> rarely seen out of anyone at the ivy um but yeah all in all it was a fantastic night dan was the blast that's fantastic well hey draft fantastic a lot of a lot of betting on the draft we actually did the, the props draft last week mm-hmm. you and i did okay you know I was three and two. You were two and three. Producer Dan, just guest of the show. We were kind enough to bring him on and get his opinion. Five and oh. Five and oh. Man, maybe we should have him on uh, more in the fall for the betting picks since you and I don't tend to do too well. Oh, but for, okay, first off, the matter <laughs> I did fine last year. The Matareza not going as the first specialist was fucking mind blowing. There were a lot that of things that happened in this draft, but I mean, that was for me, I was like, I didn't think, I thought there was a foregone conclusion. The odds weren't even that great. It was like minus 125. Several people went ahead of it. Cade York from LSU. Um, so you got the SEC over 10 and a half. I think it ended up being 12, right? 12, yeah. Um, the moment they got, the moment Kyrie Aleem went 20th or 21st, I was like, oh, it's fucking over. I was watching it here with Dustin Schutte from our Big Ten site. And I was like, I, I just was cracking up. It's like, man, they're going to do it again. Because anyway, it was, how about Quay Walker going round one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, him and how about him and Devontae White going to the same team in the same round? I didn't know uh, that part um, that happened. You also na- uh, nailed Hutchinson number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so those oh, I had two a, a side bet for Kayvon Thibodeau to go in the top five. It was plus 750. I forgot to hit, I forgot to hit submit bet. Ooh, that was a toughie. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that, my, my hit, I had Thibodeau over four and a half, so barely got that. Right. I had total ACC players drafted under four and a half. There were four. <laughs> uh, and total first round QBs over under two and a half. I took under for plus oh, God, 190. Man. I yeah. miss Malik Willis. I miss, you know, it's funny too, because I almost, I heard all the talk about Pitt, Pittsburgh wanting to get, um, wanting to get, what do you, they were going to take one of the qu- two quarterbacks and they yeah. really wanted. I thought it was going to uh, be Malik Willis actually. Well, but like the other kid being from there, I, I get that whole, that whole thing. And so I kind of thought that that was going to be like a good bet. It was like maybe if Kenny Pickett, cause, but it was only plus 190 for him to go first. So I didn't do it. Anyway, whatever. Um, Dan then we'll nailed them all. Falcons wide receiver first, you know, plus 110. Jameson Williams under 14 and a half. Kyle Hamilton. By the way, my number was 11 and a half. I'll have you remember uh-huh. on that. And uh, he would have got that wrong had he took my number. This is why I asked, Chris. This is why yeah. I asked. We did a quick, we did a quick live video right beforehand and like just on Twitter and it was like our space. And I was like, cause I saw, I was comparing our bookie that we have and then Bovada and your boy, Jermaine Johnson, his numbers had dropped all the way down to nine and a half. I know. I know. I but on our bookie, 
it was seven and a half. And I was like, somebody oh. knows something. <laughs> or no, so I'm sorry. Our bookie had it at, at, um, at nine and a half and the other, and Bovada had it at uh, seven and a half. So I was like, somebody oh, yeah, knows yeah. something. I'm all over. So I hammer it like a $50 yeah. pad on Jermaine Johnson. And he goes like 19th. 26th. Crazy. Uh, 26th? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened there. I really don't. Um, there were some shocks in this draft though, man. I mean, Nicobe Dean going to the third round. I, I like, yes, you know, he doesn't have prototypical size, but he was the leader of one of the best defenses of all time. Um, I saw some local Atlanta radio people <clears throat> tweet out that there was potentially there was a rumor that he like refused to have surgery on an injury that he has or something like that. But man, like to go in the third round, I thought that was a steal. I, but every, you know, every time a pick came up, I was like, yeah, this makes sense for him to go here. Just someone else would leave. So yeah, I, do Atlanta? you any insight? Yeah. It would have been nice instead of the uh, FCS linebacker that played quarterback mostly. So I'm trying. Okay. So that was the ultimate troll <laughs> from Atlanta to their fans because we needed a quarterback and we needed a linebacker and Malik Willis and Nicobe Dean were both available. And they were like, you know what? Montana state, Former quarterback, now linebacker. Like, fuck you, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I wish I had the number in front of me right now. I can't find the tweet, of, which is shocking because I was tweeting too much this weekend. Um, but I added it up, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it back up on social media later um, this weekend, I'm sure. But at one point, because like, okay, I did a quick deep dive during the, during the this day two of Falcons picking Georgia players. Before Sunday or before Saturday, when it was rounds four through seven, they had they picked two Georgia guys. Before that, through fifty-seven drafts, including the first four rounds of twenty-two, they had seven total players from Georgia they've ever drafted. Seven. None of them. None of them before the third round. One of them was a kicker. Only two of them were on, def- on defense. Um, just, just shocked. Just shocked, trolling shocked the me. whole state at all times. So this Hold is on, now across real quick, through through two okay. rounds. Yeah, be quiet down for a second. Um, through, through two rounds, I don't even, where did Nicobe go? Third? Third round of the Eagles. Okay, so, and I'll have to add it up whenever you start bringing up your stuff, but through two rounds, there have been 64 total picks, 33 players, uh, 33 defensive players, and eight total linebackers, and none of them were named Nicobe Dean, which just shocking. Yeah, man, it's... Um... That was one of the bigger shocks to me. I mean, I, I just, I thought there were some interesting moments through the draft. I mean, if you go through some of these picks here, obviously I thought it ended up being the betting favorite by the end, but I, I mean, it ends up being pretty shocking that Trayvon Walker's number one pick, you know, in general. I tweeted that it was like their fourth best player just got drafted. Uh, <laughs> Number one. I mean, like that's that's crazy. It, it makes you nervous that the Jags did this because it seems like they always screw it up. So yeah. maybe that's not great for his future. Um, Stingley again ended up being the betting favorite to be the third pick, but man, like to to not really have played like a real season mm-hmm. since 2019, your freshman year, and still be the first corner and go three overall is pretty fantastic for him. And it's amazing to you. me that. That when you watch the mental gymnastics people do to convince themselves they're right in general, right? But with 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 a guy like Walker, when you're like, oh, you don't need to, you don't need to, he doesn't need to have that kind of experience. Like, you know, he's this great. And then you talk about a guy like, you know, <laughs> I talked about it with Chris Gordy because um, he he told us on the the day before round one, he was like, and I told you about how quickly the numbers move. 
he was at 12 and a half like on Vegas had his, his number at 12 and a half and it dropped down to three and a half. Um, but Stingley hasn't put anything really solid on tape since 29. They were showing his practice footage against Jamar Chase, which by all means is wildly impressive. Yeah. But that was that we're talking about two and a half calendar years ago. And it's right. just funny to me that like, you know, especially with the draft, the lengths people go to convince themselves that this is what they're seeing is right. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, LSU with another highly drafted DB. Um, by the way, saw that Honey Badger went to the Saints today. Didn't love that as a Falcons fan. Um, um, there's 42. The Jets, there man. Were... Sauce Wait. Gardner to get to get their draft with Sauce That's Gardner, incredible. Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson at 26. I mean, who knows? It's the Jets, so something will probably go wrong. But that you could look back at this draft paired with Zach Wilson last year and, and think that could be the start of a, of a nice movement for them. Um, you know, if you're Robert Salah, who's like a big defensive guy to get um, Sauce Gardner, who a lot of people argued was the best corner in the draft. And then Jermaine Johnson, who we just talked about. I don't know how he fell to 26. There was some late talk about character concerns. And I can, I can tell you that that was never an issue when he was at Florida state at all. Right. So, I mean, I know he was a Juco guy at first, so maybe something way back in the past potentially, but I mean, I think that's going to be an absolute steal for them. I just really do. No, no Homer side. I mean, he was a Georgia guy too. So, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Fantastic. No, draft so I did the, the numbers here. There was 40 defensive players taken ahead of Nicobe Dean, 40 total. And, um, and 12 that were either listed as an inside or outside linebacker. Obviously he's an inside linebacker, but just if they had LB in their position, I threw it in there. I just was shocked about that. I mean, we got to talk about Georgia. The entire day was entire weekend. Um, you know, you talk about five guys in the first round. You wondered if they were going to get six, the title record that Bama had set last year. Um, I, to have five guys on defense go in the first round, and you get fit, like I, I was listening to this on Thursday morning, and it was Mike Griffith, and he was on um, nine sixty a.m. with with uh, Logan Booker, who is a good dude, fun follow on Twitter. Um, admittedly was making fun of a post that I made because, and this you know what the upset of the weekend here, Tyler, that, that graphic I made about, um, and, and like idea, I came up with the stat about how many Kirby, uh, draft picks in the first, however many years compared to Saban at Alabama, this is going to shock you. But then several Georgia fans, uh, kept up with that metric all weekend and then added on to it after, after the weekend, which I thought was, was sweet and endearing. Um, but I mean, he, Mike Griffith said he thought that they would break LSU's record, had a chance to, and if they did, it would never be broken again. And I was like, that's a very confident pick. I don't, I don't know if I could see that happening. Like, cause that's so many draft picks. Right. And sure enough, they get 15 and, and then you start talking about just like the numbers of it, man. Like I, I think I saw on, on Twitter from, from Graham coffee, uh, one of our buddies from the pod who said that, uh, every single player, every draft eligible player from the 2018 recruiting class, I believe it might've been 2019 recruiting class, but I think it was 20, uh, 2018 recruiting class from Georgia was drafted. Every single one. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane, man. Just, just incredible. Uh, it looks like the dynasty's over for Bama and, and Kirby's about to start one, right? I mean, I mean. The, well, yeah, for sure. Um, but how about, how about like Bama only had seven draft picks, which tells me that got a lot coming back. So, um, LSU having 10, how about Cincy, man? Cincy having nine. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I think Fickle's done a great job there. I, I, I'm i surprised he didn't take one of the openings from this year. I guess I don't Me know too. what he's – unless he's waiting on Ohio State at some point. Maybe Ryan Day will go to the NFL, but – Maybe he knows um, expansion's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, first time since 2004 that there were five receivers in the first 16 picks. That's crazy. Um, the, the Falcons, I mean, we always try to keep it a little bit local. I got frustrated with that pick because it was the pick that everyone talked about in mock drafts. And I was like, no, it's a new regime. There's no way they'll do that. Like, they won't be that dumb to take a receiver. It's like, yes, they don't have any receivers, but like, it's not really where you start building a team, you know, right. uh, especially one that's arguably, you know, maybe the fourth best out of the top four that were drafted. Um, I, well, but no, I've, I think that that like everything I saw from him, like it was like, I think you think about this too. think about where the Falcons came from in terms of the red zone. Even when Sarkeesian had, was there, they were, and they were a top yeah. 10 offense. Statistically, the issues were in the red zone. And now you're talking about a six, five receiver and Kyle Pitts. Like that's a nightmare to try to, yeah, yeah it is. No doubt. No doubt. But I still, you know, they've needed a pass rusher for like the last 25 to 30 years. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. And it seems like they always just pass up on, I guess at that point, you know, the, the main guys that come off the board, except for Jermaine Johnson, who I was hoping would be the pick. Maybe they're just hoping to be so bad that they'll get Will Anderson next year. Oh, that's already been projected. Yeah, they've, they the Falcons are still projected as a top three pick overall next year. Yeah. Which be the um, Anderson or Bryce? Before we move on to 2023 mock, there are a couple of things. So I much thought. to go over. Yeah. How about the Ravens trading Hollywood Brown on draft day just out of nowhere? Lamar Jackson treating, tweeting out WTF. Um, but like clearly that had been in the works because apparently Hollywood Brown was announced at a draft party for the Cardinals in person. Like, hey, we just traded for Hollywood Brown and here he is. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we found out today why. DeAndre Hopkins uh, suspended six games for PEDs, not going to appeal. He will serve Ooh. that. So, um, but the Ravens, man, like again, the, some people, I think NFL.com had Kyle Hamilton, the number one prospect in the draft as far as grade-wise. And of course, mm. the, I mean, of course the Ravens get him at 14. Right. And then turn around and who'd they get? Uh, like, the Michigan guy that was like a top five pick before he tore his ACL. Adabu. Yeah. Yeah. They got the number one center, Linderbaum from Iowa. Like, I feel like Baltimore wins the draft all the time. Yeah, I can see that. Um, when you got a former Bama tight end as your front office uh, GM, you know, um, with, uh, God dang it, I can't think of his name. Anyway, I don't even know if he's still there anymore. But I, well, I thought, I thought uh, Jordan Davis was like a perfect pick for the Ravens. And I think the, that's why the Eagles drafted up and took, uh, took him right before the Ravens. I think everyone was like, Jordan Davis and the Ravens, it seems like a match made in heaven, just cool. given their history. Getting a safety, because you already have Marlon Humphrey, who's been really good for them. And then, but like, whenever you think of Baltimore, just besides Lamar Jackson now, the stigma's always been, not stigma, but I guess like the, um, it, just the thought of like around that program or franchise has always been defense, 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 defense. And they, now you're in a division with, I know they're rebuilding some offensive stuff, especially in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and, but you have Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. And now you also have Joe Burrow who went to the Super Bowl in year two in Cincy. Like that's not an easy division. Uh, yep. I, I will say the Eagles, I thought did a great job getting Nicobe and Jordan Davis. 
and AJ Brown. <laughs> I mean, that was a hell of a night for them. Yeah. Well, but also like, like I think it's interesting going in from like college to pros when you talk about having things are different, right? Like you, you don't come in and you're going to get like the, the rookie hazing type shit. And, and you got to realize like, you're not like the big man on campus anymore. Like all that kind of shit. But those two dudes will come in there and they will change the culture of a locker room and a, and a franchise. Jordan Davis, a thousand percent. I don't oh, think yeah. you could put the monetary value. Dean was the leader of the defense. I mean, I thought I felt Nakobe Dean was the leader of that defense. So like, he was, and now you have a chip on his shoulder. Like, oh man, have fun. Yeah. I Jordan Davis. I I still wonder why he wasn't considered to be like a lock to be a higher pick than he was, even at thirteen, because that guy's different. He's huge yeah. and he ran so fast. And he had production when he played just because he didn't have a huge stats. I mean, nobody on the Georgia D-line did. Dude, it wasn't even until he, he went to the combine that he, he was a projected first rounder for the most part. Think, I mean, crazy. think about that. Uh, yeah. you, I, I just, there was, there was so many things that happened, I think, over the weekend um, in general that were, were interesting. Like, I, a lot of it was a big surprise, I thought, like on, for a lot of teams. Like, I mean, Malik Willis dropping that far. Um, yeah. The Falcons taking Desmond Ritter like we talked about, but all in all, the SEC dominates the draft again. You, you have the most first-round picks for the 11th time in 12 years. Uh, with 65, you, you tie your own record um, that you set, which I thought was funny because I was like, going through all that stuff before the draft, and I was like, all right, who had, which, which conference had the most? And it was like uh, the SEC, the, last, like, the top four times. So they tied that <laughs> record. And they, they had 60 going into the seventh round and ended up with only 65. So I was kind of, they could have probably done more damage even than that. Um, 13 of the 14 teams in the SEC had a draft pick. Um, rivaled really only to the Big Ten, who I think might have had uh, – they might have had all 14. I'm not sure if Northwestern had one or not. But um, just looking at like just the laundry list of, of accolades here, seven different teams in the first round had a draft pick that's half the league, had a first-rounder. Um, they have 50 top 10 picks in 2009, 56 in 2007. That's more than double of like the next closest – um, it, it just, just absolute dominance from, from start to finish the big 12, having zero picks in the first, first round for the second year in a row, which is bad. That is bad. And then, and then you take a look at like, like the records that Georgia set again, 15 total picks is the most in, in, uh, a seven round draft history. Um, seven of those, uh, were off, were taken off the defense and I mean, seven players, off, I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's in question that this is the best defense of all time anymore. And I know if you would have told me that the year before the year started, and I was very adamant about arguing that 2011 Bama defense and statistically they had a better year. But when you look at draft picks, you look at like just overall scope of everything they were able to do. I I mean, my God, it just didn't stop. And then um, like, hold on here. You you have uh, Alabama had another first rounder that didn't have that many draft picks, which was very surprising. Josh Joe was a guy that got picked up. Slade Bolden left early and didn't get picked up. That was surprising to me. Very surprising. Slade Bolden Chevrolet coming up. I've when that opens, we need to go to the ribbon ceremony. We need I to think cut to get that ribbon. He's not going to have me invited there. Cause I was still talking shit about him on, on Saturday night um, into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, but the, somebody, cause somebody was like saying, See, there needs to be a rule. Um, there needs to be a rule that, like, if you if you leave early and don't get drafted, you can come back. About Slade, and I was like, no, no, we do not want Slade Bolden back. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then you talk about just again the numbers. The SEC with over fifty picks. It's the 
I think it's like the eighth consecutive year or something like that. They've had over 50 picks in the draft. No other, no other um, conference has done that once in that time span. Then you also talk about it's the, uh, yeah, it was the eighth straight year they've done that. Only twice in the last 27 years combined has a conference had more than that, which is just nuts. So those were, um, yeah, those were, those were uh, my biggest takeaways. The other thing is this, and I was on this train early because you know I love to be petty. When I was looking through some of these draft picks and schools and, the, and you start getting into the later rounds, and I, I remember making this graphic I should have posted on Friday. And I was like, you know what? There's no way this holds. I should post it Friday and I just didn't do it for whatever reason. Because I saw that Nick Saban since 2017 had 23 first round players taken in the draft. And Auburn had, after round two, 23 total players taken in the draft in that same time span. And I was like, surely at some point this will, this will change. You'd be wrong. That's You'd incredible. be wrong. Um, it did not. It did not change. And uh, Auburn and Bama had the same amount of total draft picks as first rounders. And uh, I, just, I thought that was wild because they only had one player selected. And Texas had none. And that means that 16 FCS schools or, or and five different Division II schools had the same amount of draft picks as Auburn or more draft picks than Texas in an actual NFL draft. And that is, my goodness. I would like laugh at that stat, but that Florida State also would fall in that category. Y'all had zero? We had one. Oh, my God. And it was what a guy that transferred from Georgia the year before. <laughs> who's sadder than marvel yeah everyone um so my favorite moment of the draft was the vikings guy that came out to make the pick and was rambling on about himself and how like he was like you know so cool back in the day and the woman had to come off and be like come out onto the stage and be like hey uh you gotta go ahead and make the pick now like the producer offset. I didn't, you see, didn't that. see that part. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, it was hilarious. Like everyone was thinking it. even rich Eisen and them, they're commenting like, wow, this guy's really, uh, you know, take a part of the moment here. And then like some woman with a earpiece on like comes out. She's like, sir, we need you to go ahead and make the pick. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the, uh, did you see the thing that went viral on Saturday? Which the, the guy, I felt bad for this guy. He was like, Actually, I came here to see you. He's like painted face, Eagles fan. Did you see that? That was that was. Oh my god! No, so I missed like that. Woman on from NFL Network, I believe is is. She's like, what did you like? What was your favorite part of like whatever the question is? Like, why did you come out to Vegas to see the NFL draft? And he was like, well, the picks have been great, the teams have been great, but I actually came out of here to see you, Samantha, or whatever her name was. And she was like, wow, and then just walks off, like makes the face, oh. and then just walks away. And it was like. Also, my, my absolute favorite moment like of the, the whole weekend was it's never when Roger Goodell was like, come on, get, come on, let me, come on, let me hear it. Let me hear it, you huh? <laughs> um, But when, did you hear him, by the way, real quick, did you hear him say he's a make-a-wish kid? <laughs> did he say I don't, the, kid, the, the Giants guy that was like freaking out? I think it was the guy before him, but he was like, he's a make-a-wish kid. And I was like, I don't, uh, did you, the, when he said it, I was like, that doesn't sound right. I don't feel like we're not supposed to be saying that. And then yeah, I didn't the next that, day, did, that's, that's bad. 
That's exactly what he said. And then the next, because I'm sitting here with Dustin Trudeau, I go, was he supposed to say that? And he starts laughing. And the next day, Rich Eisen's talking about somebody who from the Make-A-Wish Foundation was going to be involved. And he was like, and he, of course, is affiliated with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and is one of the children. And, and I'm like, he didn't say Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, but my favorite part was on Saturday when Reese Davis, just with the slow burn of slow burns, trolls Kayvon Thibodeau. And everyone at this point knows how much I don't like Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, but, the, you know, he had the whole thing that the comments went viral in the national championship game. And I don't know if that's what Reese took a, took a issue with or if he was just giving him shit. But the whole thing about how he, there's always a, a, a negative astigmatism with college football or with football players being dumb. Right. And the irony of that is, if you don't know, is that's not how you use that word. Yeah. Stigma. Stigmatism right. is something you can't see. So Reese Davis has this quote during the draft on, on day three. And he says, it's just like out of nowhere, he, um, he says, because they're, they're talking about the Giants draft. And, um, and his final comment goes, you'd have to have some real type of astigmatism to not see the talent from Kayvon. Or, I'm sorry, he goes, there's definitely a stigma that goes along with coaches who miss on high draft picks, but you'd have to have some type of real astigmatism not to see the talent from Kayvon Thibodeau. Nice. And they start laughing at him like for a second. And, and Reese just looks at the camera and he goes, one day I'll let it go, but it's not going to be today. Kayvon. It's not going to be today. And then he uh, followed oh, yeah, me on Twitter he, later. That's fantastic. He went to Bama or is he just from Alabama? He went to Bama. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Quick update before we go to 2023. Look ahead. Did you pay for premium Zoom? Yes. I already have before last week. I don't understand what's happening here. So are we on a timer now? No, it says we're good. Okay, sure good. It's wrong. <laughs> All right. So look ahead to 2023. Obviously, top two, both Bama players. I don't think that's a huge, huge shock. Obviously, they're kind of projecting teams, but Texans would draft Bryce Young first overall. This is PFF. Mm -hmm. um, Falcons with the, the second pick would get Will Anderson. I would love that if, the, if I was the Falcons because if I'm the Falcons and I have the first round pick, I would also draft Will Anderson. So yeah, doubt. I would love if that happened. Uh, Jalen Carter in the top five, as well as this might shock you here, Eric Gilbert. Okay. The top there's, five. there's eight of the top 10 are from the SEC. <laughs> I, that will, might, Levis, I, will Levis eight is kind of embarrassing. What are we okay, here's the thing. I, I want to say this real quick because I, I, I feel like as the season's gotten away from us, we've got we've put way more much way too much into the the Levis basket. Like he yeah, was good at times, but he wasn't a first round pick. No, no, he wasn't. But but here, listen, and I, it's just a matter of our sickness. I think is is like fans. Like we have to have more content. We have to have. Right. It's like you know, there's reasons why Joe Lenardi and Mel Kiper have this kind of. Uh, this kind of job and in and, and one, because they're good at what they do, but also we fiend for this kind of stuff it, like year round, like we're like, they've already come out the new mock drafts for next year. Keep in mind, this is what Mike Renner from PFF had as his, as his way too early mock draft last year going into, or after the 2021 draft, number one, Spencer Rattler, number two, Sam Howell, number three, Derek Stingley, number four, Kayvon Thibodeau. So we got both those number five to Marvin Leal, number six, mm -hmm. Emory Jones. Oh, mm -hmm. number seven, Nick Benito. Uh, mm. So that's something. Um, number eight, Tyre Elam. Number nine, Evan Neal. And number 10, Kyle Hamilton. Now, 
not all of those are that egregious, but, but Sam Howell, DeMarvin Leal, I just, there's Emory Jones. Emory and Jones I, is here's my favorite egregious. part. That's the Will Levis of this one. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. Bleach Report also came out with their, their uh, mock draft. And I'm looking through it because it's the same people at the top, right? They, they had CJ Stroud. Actually, they had Will Anderson, number one. Um, CJ Stroud, number two. Bryce Young. Oh, then Jalen Carter. Then Bryce Young going to the Lions where his career can die before it ever began. Um, and you keep looking. You have, you have the receiver from... Uh, they have Will Levis at number six, too. This is... What are we, is this, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. That doesn't seem this right. This is a me. different one than the original one I saw because the one that I originally saw at number two, or uh, sorry, at number six, they had uh, Anthony Richardson, the kid from, um, from Florida at number six. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, these are, but there's a lot of Georgia players in here as one would expect. You got mm-hmm. Jalen Carter, Eric Gilbert, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo. Roderick Jones, uh, the list goes on. Um, Bama's got a bunch in here. Eli Ricks recently arrested. Eli Ricks actually. <laughs> that defense um, is gonna be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got uh, gas station picks. We got grills, and we got we got people getting arrested in the offseason. That defense is about to give up seven seven points a game. Yep. So should be pretty interesting. A lot of SEC love in there, obviously. Um, Dexter, the D tackle from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got our our boy Keishon Boutte. Keishon Boutte. Now, one thing that they don't talk about in here is uh, the projection for the Ravens at twenty one. Bolitnikoff Award winner, first team All American Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, projected first round pick. Oh wait, I actually, you know what? I don't think he's gonna be at Pittsburgh this year, Chris. Oh, you're Breaking very right. News. You heard it from Colin Coward first. Um. So. Bolitnikoff winner last year, Jordan Addison, first team All-American, had 100 catches for 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns last year at Pitt. Probably made, helped make Kenny Pickett a first-round pick this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, seemingly out of nowhere, just going about my day, I see a tweet that pops up on my timeline that says, rumor has it that Jordan Addison may hit the transfer portal. And I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Like... Uh, I'm sure, you know, the kid probably thought, hey, this is my last year. Would love to go win a championship. Followed up by a tweet that said, USC is rumored to have offered a massive deal somewhere around $3 million with a house for his family, I believe at the beach in LA for the year. Um, Now, keep in mind, the kid's not actually even in the portal yet. So these are unsubstantiated rumors. Is that a a word? Um, Substantiated. The kid was rumored to actually be in LA when this rumor popped up, which, wow, I mean, I've, I found that quite ironic, really. Um, so, wanted to get your Brown. thoughts on this story. Um, apparently, you know, the coach of Pitt, Pat Narduzzi, supposedly has called Lincoln Riley multiple times, basically gave him a piece of his mind, criticizing him essentially of, of tampering. Um, what happened? Which is illegal. Um, a school cannot approach a kid who's on scholarship on another school at another school at all. Um, unless the kids in the transfer portal, which is why the portal was created. Right. Um, now with this whole new world, I'm sure technically no one from USC reached out to him. 
technically. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know I sound like an old man. I, I sound like Danny Canal. I sound like a boomer where I'm like, this NIL is just ruining the sport. But this, like, is this like a tipping point here? Like, we're essentially saying, okay, I if if you've got three million dollars to spend on a college athlete for one year and you can offer him his family a free house on the beach, um, and you could just go and be like, hey, why don't we just pluck the best player from any school we want, not name, right. not name maybe the top five schools in the country, or maybe even them too. Like, what are we doing here? So it's funny that you bring up the boomer thing because we have an interview. It's awesome with um, Chad Kelly at the end of this. And he said the same thing. He said the same exact thing. It was like, which, it, which surprised me, but um, yeah, it kind of is ruined. Like, like if, if that's what we're getting to, like, cause I've heard nonstop. It's like, Oh, it's only going to make all the, the rich are going to get richer and they're going to, whoever has the most money is going to win. And you sit there and you want to think to yourself, like, all right, we've heard all of this negative stuff from people about college football for years. Like, if we expand the playoff, this will happen. If we let people transfer, this will happen. And, and all of us sat there listening to Mark Emmert and, and the NCAA and all that kind of shit. Just, just kind of take and take and take. And we kind of thought, I was like, no, you know what? Fuck it. Like, and I've said over and over, I thought it was hilarious. This is the end result. And this is the end result. When you have, when you have a, a corporate, not a corporation, but an organization that's been as fucking awful and hands off and selfish and backwards with how they've run something like you, you've run something at the detriment and, and at the, at the advantage, or I guess disadvantage of your main person or, or group involved in the product. You, you've run an entire business off of, you know what, this thing worked. Not, like it wasn't like you were fucking barely, like your margins were razor thin that you needed to like, make sure they were, they were free labor. Right. You're talking about getting 920 billion, or I'm sorry, million dollars in a three week span during during March Madness, but now this is what you get when you take your fucking ball and go home because you don't want to play anymore because of the situation you fucking created in CAA. Right, and that's where we are. And I, I just, I kept thinking that this this kind of thing was not going to happen though. Like it, we, you know, it might be kind of bad, but it's not going to be the highest bidder. You're still going to have kids go elsewhere, and and out of high school with like the recruiting. That still may be because you're going to have people that aren't you're, what you're going to end up having is like a, an a egregious overreach for players who are ranked highly that are not going to pan out because of your NIL collective or and or you're going to have, you know, kids that are overlooked because they aren't like highly rated from the recruiting services. And, and if you don't think this is also going to benefit the recruiting services by where you rank people, you're wrong. The amount of money they're going to like, the, like the kind of corruption that could come from something like that is is kind of scary to think about too, but yeah, man, I, I think that, I think that like when you're talking about now, the people that are producing and it's cool to see kids get a, a, a better opportunity and a big, like, you know, big opportunity after they produce and, it, you know, and go to a bigger school. Like, you know, some of these like D2 FCS people that are going, you know, the SEC, but this isn't that, and no. this is really bad if this is what it's going to turn into. And you're going to get a lot of people that I think I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I think I follow a lot of college football writers who are like, see, this is, this is exactly how it should be. I mean, these kids have been needed to get paid for years and this has been, you know, been happening behind the scenes. So this is just happening in daylight now. Like this is no big deal. This is, there's nothing different. It's just in the spotlight now. I think that those people are, are having that thought because they don't want to admit that the sport that they cover for a living is 
totally changing for probably for the worse mm-hmm. unless something can step in but we've already found out that the ncaa essentially has no power at this point no so this whole rule of like oh well you have to be in the portal by may 1st who's who's fucking gonna execute that like if i want to if i'm a player wasn't the portal wouldn't that happen today the yeah, may, that happened may, may 1st yeah may 1st was the last day you could get in the portal so today uh, supposedly you can't be in the portal now there will be names coming out because apparently you can have up to 48 hours before your name actually hits the portal after you tell your school that you want to be in it but who's actually enforcing me if i'm a student athlete and i say on may 5th that i would rather be at a different school i don't feel comfortable here i want to hit the portal who's who's enforcing that i don't know the ncaa is not even around anymore mark emmert uh, newsflash he just retired he doesn't want to be a part of this anymore oh, fucking god um i just worry that if some like knight in shining armor doesn't come and be like here this is how we're gonna fix it so everyone wins mm-hmm. and it's not a complete clusterfuck it's going down such a a bad path so fast that i don't even know like so, something has to happen fast in my opinion honestly yeah, I don't think you're wrong, too. And I think I think that's part. Of what, you know, I I can sit here until I'm blue in the face and tell everyone why it happened and and how it's the NCAA's fault and all that shit. But at some point, you got to find a fucking solution. And I don't like that's been the that's been the worst part. Is like I you know you hear Josh Pate talk about it. And I, I honestly I don't know how smart of a person Josh Pate is. He, he's always come off as a really like smart dude. And mm-hmm. I think being in charge of something this big is so difficult because like every decision is not going to make everyone happy, right? And there's well, so and especially with what's at play, which is essentially you've got student athletes. I mean, it's, we've talked about it for years. Like, how do you fairly compensate everyone? And how does it work when it's supposed to be an amateur sport and they're student athletes? But we all know that school is basically secondary for a lot of these athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it doesn't matter the sport. And it's a very complicated issue. So, and by the way, I definitely like good for Jordan Addison that he might get $3 million to play college football. That's fantastic. I'm not hating on him for that at all. But is that, is that, is that, I mean, is that the value? Cause I didn't think it was like that. Well, we don't have to transition to it now, but you know, you got a guy, you got a billionaire down in Miami that's paying a, a kid from Kansas state basketball, $800,000 to come play at Miami for two years a school that doesn't really even matter on the college basketball landscape at all. They made a, a nice run there in the tournament this year. But when you have the, when the money's there to be spent, I mean, good for the kids for collecting, but like, how is that kid going to be worth 800,000? How is he going to fulfill that? Unless you just have right. so much damn money that doesn't matter that he does or not. I think that's, I think that's what's happening. I think, I think it's, it's, it's that exact thing. They have so much money that it's like, well, well it's, it's somehow the value is there. And that's surprising, man. That, that is like, Cause that's so much money. It's and and you talk about like, I mean, Quinn Ewers is a prospect getting a million, and you think that like, well, he's at Texas, and this is USC, and there's ungodly amounts of money out there. But right. I, I just it's so bizarre. Like, I think I think it's great to talk about recruiting classes, and I understand how it shapes those and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's still weird that Jimbo Fisher is so adamant that like this like he they're not doing that because everyone else is. But I think when you talk about there's a big difference between the transfer portal and and NIL versus college, like like high school recruits and NIL, because this is free agency. And this is a I mean, it's a fucking like, 
honestly, I was going to say it's, it's a buyer's market, but it's, it's maybe it's a seller's market. Cause if you've got something to sell and you, you have that kind of production, then it's like, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's what, and, and, and here's the thing, man, like that's one player. That's one player out of 11 on only one unit in a, in a football game. Right. There's 80, what? 85 dudes on scholarship, just on scholarship. And that's a, that's not even a quarterback or an edge rusher. Like, right. Will Anderson, let's just say he wouldn't be like, you know what? Like, and let's be honest, I'm sure Bama has had to step up and be like, we're, we're going to pay you to stay here because let's be honest, like these kids like the schools a lot of times, but like Jordan Addison probably loved being a, a student at Pitt. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. He's going to love it even more being at USC. <laughs> right. And think about that. Well, even as like being like, if you have grew up in Georgia and you went all your life, you know, high school, Georgia, you went to UGA, you're like, well, USC is going to offer me six million dollars i'm you know name whatever five star on uga's defense you know i want to live in la for a year get paid six mil at the beach and then yeah and then usc you know through back channels finds that out and like hey you know what we'll get that on the table for you no doubt why don't you hit the transfer portal and we'll make this official the correction has to happen where it's like all right like the correction has to happen where it's already, it's already a thing where you, you have to have it in place. Like, like you have to have some amount of money in place for these kids to even come there in the, like at high school. Right. Like I heard something the other day about Brock Bowers. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm up here in like Milton and I'm driving around. This is my favorite country station. 99.3. They play a lot of early nineties country. It's fantastic. And I hear a ad for some community credit, credit union. union. Yeah. yeah for yeah. Brock Bowers. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, good for Brock Bowers. And then you start thinking, it's like, hold on a second. Like that, that's just one player. He's one of the best players and had one of the best years out of anyone on that team. But like a credit union is not going to be giving you the amount of money you need. If you're, if you're like a recruit coming into a place like Georgia and I'd say the, the places this is going to impact, I don't want to say the most, but possibly the most, when you talk about a roster standpoint and, and like, like if, if it kind of takes away from the incentive for coaches to, to tell uh, what do you call it? Um, walk-ons like how hard they need to be working. And, and then also it takes away from the incentive from coaches to even watch like walk-ons and, and like, you know, give them a shot because yeah, sure. It'd be great. Like this kid probably earned it, man. Like think about how hard this person worked and all that kind of shit. And then you're like, but if he starts over a kid that we're paying this amount of money to, and this, this investment to do, especially if that investment is, has any kind of ties to like the back end of like, Hey, we're going to pay you this amount until it's time for you to get NFL. And like, so if you're getting, like, you know, some kind of reimbursement on that or return on your investment and the kid's not getting any tape for the NFL because of a walk-on. It's, there's just so many problems with it. They need to figure out a way. I, th- I think what you have to do is take away the, the, the transferring without penalty. Well, the other thing too, yeah, there's, there's gotta be something there for sure. But like also who's helping these kids make these decisions. They're 18, 19 years old. I know when I was 18, 19 years old, I mean, you if you you if you just put money in front of me, I'd be like, yeah, I choose that. I'll do that. Yep. All day. And, and I wouldn't have known what the hell to do about taxes, what I should like, I would just spend the money. I wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah, so saving that's it. so stupid on you. I would never do that. <laughs> um, but I mean, think about it. Dude, I'm even looking at this first round mock draft and I'm like, okay, yeah, a bunch of these guys would be leaving school early. Like, well, in the new world, maybe half these guys stay because they're making more at school than they would in college. Right. And they like, they like being in college and I can make 
six million dollars to stay here for a year. It's just yeah. crazy. I mean, I, I don't begrudge the the players getting paid. They definitely need to be. It's just Ooh. it's so speaking of you know, people being helped. So this this now we shift over to basketball. You had this Isaiah Wong kid. Spots. That's good. Yeah, you had this Isaiah Wong kid from Miami who his NIL agent, Chris, this is his agent. He's a college athlete. This is an NIL agent. He puts out a statement through ESPN that Isaiah would enter the portal if he and his family um, didn't have their NIL expectations met, essentially. Now, remember, this, this, this kid, I mean, he was pretty good for Miami. They made an Elite Eight run last year. I think it's a Miami team. Again, they were okay in the conference. They got a little hot in the ACC tournament and then got hotter in the tournament. And so... They made a nice run at the end. Um, they offered a kid from Kansas State eight hundred grand. I shouldn't say they. John Ruiz, he's a billionaire down in Miami who owns the company Life Wallet. Life Wallet signed this kid from Kansas State eight hundred thousand dollars plus a car to come to Miami and play for two years. Now Miami's not allowed to be involved with this because the state of Florida says schools aren't allowed to be involved. It'd be awesome if it was like we'll give you eight hundred grand and a car, but they were like, but here's the thing, dude. The car is like a game of like mash. You, you yeah. Did like or not this thing, but like you need like right. You, you yeah, know, no, yeah. It's like okay, yep, listen, you're gonna live in Miami. You're gonna be married to Kimberly Amberteeson from Say by the yep. Bell, but or Tiffany Amberteeson. Uh, but you gotta drive a '92 Buick Regal. Sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, so this Isaiah Wong kid, who by the way is on an NIL deal with Life Wallet already. He's under a already. current contract for a hundred thousand dollars with them. He rightfully says, well, you know. I, I scored 15 a game for this Miami team and led him to the Elite Eight. You're bringing in this kid from Kansas State. You're paying him 800 grand. I will enter the portal if you don't up my deal. Right. <laughs> John yeah. Ruiz then goes to Twitter and he's like, we don't negotiate with <laughs> our contract. <laughs> I mean, this shit is wild. And yeah. then this Saturday... Isaiah Wong comes out and he's he posted it on Instagram that my recent statements uh, were not, you know, basically people don't reflect my views for me. You know, this is not my statement. This is insane. Yeah. So I'm trying to this find- is a real thing. Like now you're going to see these students. I've definitely heard rumors about some stuff going down at Florida State where p- current players have said, we want more money or we're hitting the portal. Okay, well, hit the fucking portal, guys. How about that? You guys have been terrible all around, and yeah. you're embarrassing the university. So. The, the problem is, is they're, they're our best players. So no, if they good, leave, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be even worse. And we're on a razor. They're not not a lot of depth in Tallahassee right now, Chris. Maybe yeah, that's okay for fair. you over in Tuscaloosa. We can't afford to lose some of our best players because it would go from maybe a six seven win team to a nightmare. Well, I'm trying to find this this post earlier from uh, I think J Boy did it, but. Um, it was a okay. Here you go. So this is from Kevin McCuller Jr. He plays at Texas Tech, right? And and he says I would. He he does one of these posts, like he's entering the transfer portal or he's announcing he's going pro, whatever. I would like to sincerely thank Red Raider Nation for your unwavering support. I poured my heart and soul into Texas Tech. I'm extremely thankful to all the coaches that have um, that have reached out and provided an opportunity to join their program. With that being said, playing in the NBA has always been a dream and my priority. If I decide, and by the way, on this graphic, he's standing in a Texas Tech jersey, right? Right. And at the top, there's a Kansas and a Gonzaga Bulldog logo. 
Come on. It says, if I decide to return to college, these are my final two. It's just like, what do you do with that? Like, I don't, here's the thing, dude. I appreciate everybody. This... And I, I feel like that, that's so confusing. I feel like I dated that person. That, I mean, that is something else. So it's, um, it's a new world. We're going to have to get used to it. it um, there's not, it's not going to be changing anytime soon. No. So I, it worries me though, Chris. I mean, we've talked about this and I get really worried that the best coaches in the game of college football will say, I just can't deal with this. Like yeah. it is a million times easier to be an NFL head coach mm-hmm. at this point. And yeah. if you're a bright mind, you either deal with all this shit. You get paid very well, especially if you're in the SEC. But you also get paid well in the NFL. And you can be like, damn, Sean McVay hammered at a draft party, like living life in LA, not having to worry about your players leaving your roster because they're like under real business contracts with your program. And you have an understanding that Dude, things will be normal. Think about what this looks like for, for the future of, of coordinators in, in this job. Like you're talking about a coordinator that is like, that's that maybe you know a kid that doesn't want to fucking, um, oh, doesn't want to have to recruit, and because of how extensive it is and how it never stops and all that kind of stuff, and then lo and behold, that guy ends up becoming a like like the, the people the players he's signing end up are making more than him. I mean that's that's tough. We got to wrap it up though. Dance me a fist. Okay, one last thing. Um, I don't think either one of us will be sad about this, but you know the the saying, adapt or die? Yeah. This new world of college football, you know what program's going to be ruined by this? Who? Clemson. We have that doubt. They, they've already refused to take transfers. Dabo's doubled down on that, and he like he's already like, if players start getting paid, that's when I'm going to be out of here. That, he's going to be gone from Clemson in, within two years if it doesn't change from what it's doing I don't right see now. him going to the NFL. No, I don't either. Like he'll literally retire and become a preacher. Yeah, that's that's great for him. Um, that's so, fair. Anyways, no, I think that's interesting good. times quick, though. Before we called, uh, we in the episode we because we do have an interview with Chad Kelly after this. Um, but I, I have a question for you because I saw this and it was there's some incredible footage we got from our buddy Chris Gordy and our buddy Mickey Sheremy from this past weekend uh, in in Baton Rouge. So this weekend you had uh, what was it? Garth Brooks played. Baton Rouge, you played Death Valley and, and put That's on a concert there. Fantastic. It seemed like there was like over. I, I, Have you ever been I to a heard, Garth Brooks concert? I saw him here in Atlanta. I saw him so in Atlanta I. and I remember going to pee because the acoustics were so bad. And I went to a pee and the line was like outrageous. And it's because people were listening to it in the bathroom because for whatever reason, the acoustics in there were better than the acoustics out, like on, like, you know, yeah. in like the open air. Yeah, that was the first concert, I believe, ever in the Mercedes Benz. They did not have that figured out yet. Yeah. I was there too, um, though. But still fun it, as shit. The, the, just the atmosphere is The incredible. giant sing-along. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an incredible performer. Terrible yeah. baseball player. Uh, incredible performer. But I will say that when you... They, they were, it looked like it was full, which is 100,000 people, plus the field. And there were some people saying it was like 115,000, 110. I don't know what it was. I saw in 2002, I saw Leonard Skinner on the quad in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That's this is the story I told before that I'm still not over that I, we had to leave during Freebird as it started because my dad forgot our tickets at home and made my stepmom drive home to go get them. Nice. Yep. 
Still not over that. Um, but I ask you, what is your dream scenario concert? Don't say Luke Bryan anywhere. Um, Son of a but, bit. I was going to say but, Ohio State, Luke Bryan. <laughs> I'll quit the show. I'll fire Kirk, you right Kirk now. Um, no, but what would be your dream uh, college football concert combination? I mean, damn. I, this wouldn't be my dream, but I think it would be fantastic. And this would obviously have to be a dream because he's dead. But t- how about Tom Petty at the Swamp? That'd be sick, yeah. What about Joe Biden at Auburn? <laughs> Just singing, <laughs> singing Old McDonald on repeat at that Cal College down the road. How about that? <laughs> uh, obviously, Pitbull Miami. Well, <laughs> okay, let's get the fuck out of here. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, so we are now joined by a very special guest. Um, it's the person I never thought I would want to talk to after the 2015 Alabama Ole Miss game, but I'm glad you're here, man. Uh, and it comes off as this, too. You were Mr. Irrelevant in 2017, but swag is always relevant. So first off, how are you doing, Chad Kelly? I'm, I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Welcome in. Um, listen, draft is this weekend. You've been to that whole process. It's, it's fun. It's got ups and downs, all that kind of stuff. You kind of went through it in a different way because you were coming off injury and all that kind of stuff. But what was it like hearing your name called and, and what was the draft process like in general? Um, it was very intriguing. Uh, it was a long wait, like you said. And, you know, it's kind of wild how, how the whole thing works, because if you go with a certain agency, a certain agent, they will get you drafted higher. That is okay. a fact. Um, you know, I think the whole aspect of it is, is all, you know, it's for show. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're talking right now, but a lot of those guys that are first round draft picks, I mean, they get a lot of chances because how, how many viewers tune in for draft night. Right. Right. So, you know, they want to repay those guys as much as they can. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's an amazing, amazing experience just to get drafted. Everybody's so excited. And, um, you know, obviously I, I was super thankful for, for the Broncos uh, drafting me. And, you know, having those injuries, I don't know if I would have ended up in Denver as well. Right. So. Um, next question here. I don't know if this is something people know about you, is you were a five-time national champion. Uh, once in Juco, four times in punt, pass, and kick? Sure. I had well. no idea. Well, you know, obviously growing up, my father was uh, – big into working hard and, and, you know, right. that's how he grew up as well. And, uh, ever since I was, let's see, I was at a bills game when I was in eighth grade and I saw some kids get announced on the field. And, you know, I, I would always go to every single game and my, I looked at my dad and said, dad, I want to be one of those kids out there on the field. And he was like, all right, let's do it. And I, he was like, I think your uncle did it. And so, you know, ever since that day, there wasn't a day that I missed for, you know, eight years that I was literally training every single day, rain, sleet, snow, shot. Right. I would fill out their training, whether it was throwing, passing or kick, kicking or pump, passing, kicking, obviously. And, you know, it, it paid off. It really did. I mean, four time national champ is impressive. I, my, one of my main questions here is how come you were never given the chance to kick or punt in college? And is it because you're not Australian? Cause that's gotta be what it is. Well, I will say this. When I went to Clemson, you know, I was I was very intrigued of being able to maybe punt one day. And mm-hmm. I saw a guy named Brad Pinion, and that kid had a leg on him that I had never seen. He was six <laughs> five, you know, two forty, and he was booting, booting it, booting it. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. My days might be numbered here. And obviously <laughs> toe style kicking doesn't last long. So uh Are you were towing it? 
May, you might see uh, some some uh, one pointers in the Canadian League this year, where if it goes through the back and end zone, it is one point. So hopefully we can get over that. So love it, man. Well, you, you were talking about this too. You, you spoke on you know Clemson. It's kind of fascinating to think about because you know look, I bring up the 2015 thing, and it feels like it happened yesterday. And we're going to get into it. We're, at some point, we'll get into it. But my main question is, if you're recruited in 20, your freshman year was 2012, which is you know mind blowing because I didn't realize it was. It was that far back, but you were recruited by Clemson and Dabo kind of before the whole, you know, not national power that they become, but kind of, it was still a Clemson thing was still a thing. So what was that like being recruited by him and what was the pitch? Well, you know, the pitch was that you were going to have a chance to start as a true freshman and, you know, um, you know, going to Alabama, Nick Saban said that I haven't started a true freshman at quarterback ever. Right. And that, and that was true until I think right. Jalen Hurts got there. And so, you know, I had the Florida States and it was me and Jameis that they offered. And, you know, that was that. And obviously I had a few more other schools. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was you look at Clemson, their offense, they had Martavius Bryant, they had Ooh. DeAndre Hopkins, they had Sammy Watkins, Sharon Peak, uh, Adam Humphreys, Andre Ellington. Uh, Peak, man, people forget about that, dude. That dude was, was real good. I mean, they had so many guys. And, you know, if you're a quarterback, who doesn't want to play with the best wide receiver, right? right? And so I think that was kind of like a deciding factor where the guy was like, hey, I might be not running, you know, a true pro style offense. And that's what we kind of were going back and forth on was, hey, do you want to go to Florida State and play in a pro style offense or do you want to play in a spread and, and win a Heisman in a national championship? Yeah. Which Florida State won, I think, two national championships during my time at Clemson. And, you know, I, I think that both would have been very good options, but, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but I, I, I definitely learned a lot and, and knew I, I, I knew the nuances of how to play in a spread offense more yeah. than, you know. We, we talked about this a little bit off air, but I mean, you're a smart dude, man. You're a smart dude. Maybe sometimes they get lost on things just because the way that, that media is, the way that stories are, the way that fans are, all that kind of shit. Like, but when you talk about just from like a cerebral standpoint, like football IQ, now we're going to talk about 2015, the September 19th, 2015. You did something that no other quarterback in the history of Ole Miss football has ever done. And that's beat Alabama consecutive seasons there going into that second year. I know Bo Wallace was there before, but um, winning that second one and winning it in Tuscaloosa, 9 p.m. start. I mean, hostile environment. What was, what was game week like, like in the prep leading up to it? Um, and when did you know it was over? Well, the game's never over until, until the very last snap. Let, let's just say that. Um, but I think leading up, you know, we just beat two teams back-to-back, 70-to-something, 70 right. So, you know, I was sharing reps, you know, with the quarterbacks the first and second week. I know I was a starter, but I was still sharing reps. And so that third, that third game was obviously Alabama, but, you know, guys were still feeling very good about – where we were at physically right. and mentally because we just beat teams back to back. And I think we were still top 10, maybe I believe around somewhere around there when we walked into Tuscaloosa, but I think everybody had a confidence going into it. Like, Hey, we're working hard. We're staying after we're watching film. I mean, look, I used to have the guys over on Thursday nights. Um, a friend of mine would cook, you know, a whole bunch of pasta and a whole bunch of food and guys would come over. We'll put the, the film on the TV and we'd sit around and, you know, we're talking about the game. We're talking about, hey, if they do this, this is what I'm looking at. This is what we're feeling. And we did that every Thursday. And so, you know, it paid off during that season going 10 and three. And, you know, I think obviously there was a lot of room for improvement, but that game specifically, 
you know, you can't turn the ball f- over five times. You Thank know? you. I agree there, Chad. I agree. <laughs> well, it's like three of them. I remember telling this to somebody the other day. They were like, they were like, because this game, I remember like it was yesterday. Because, I mean, the bootleg you had in the, in the far end zone, for one, and then the third and 11 play, right? Where it's like, I think Minka came off a blitz or somebody, and it hits off the dude's helmet and this whole thing. And it's like, but that kind of seemed to be a thing that you did a lot of times, which was not have these, like, you know, stuff that's like that outlandish, but you just kept making plays. You always made plays and, and you kept the play going. So um, I think that's, I mean, you think that's probably one of the reasons you were so successful when you were at Ole Miss and in general, is that something you always brought to the table or is it just kind of something that kind of came along with the, the swag as you, as you went on and on your career? I, I mean, look, obviously I've grown so much since then. Right. Right. I understand what the weaknesses are. I understand what it means for a three carry defense. I understand mm-hmm. what it means to play a Houston four. I understand what cover zero is. And, and back then I really didn't understand honestly, because, right. you know, I didn't see a lot of that in Juco and I wasn't out there enough in Clemson to understand it. So that was really my third game in, in big college football, but you know, the first two teams were able to run, you know, generic plays and just run by everybody. So when we got to that game, really it was all about just taking care of the football right Mm -hmm. and not making a a bad play worse but you know on the third and two and you know you're going to shoot it out there before the snap and you know snap goes high and you throw it out there and you know if you're living well things like that happen and you know something kind of kind of funny just because obviously you're you're a Bama fan but uh you know a couple weeks ago I, I I was talking to Nick Saban at the coaches clinic in Tuscaloosa and you know, he, he was he was joking around saying, man, I swear you were across the line on that one touchdown. And, you know, I thought it was so funny that he, he obviously remembered. And, you know, we 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 shared some other words and yeah, it was pretty cool that he obviously remembered and his eyes lit up when I was just telling him how to defend the RPOs, man. We, we, we talked about it all the time. And, you know, there's only one way that you can defend an RPO. Well, really, there's two on the offensive line, but also with the or defensive line and then safeties. So that's for another time. If anybody, you know, watching needs to know how to defend the RPO. Yeah. You tell us that real. Cause you, you brought up Houston four. I had no idea what any of that was. So that's, I mean, I'm glad you're here for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, kind of speaking on that and, and, and this isn't like a somber thing. Cause I, when I look back at the, the time Chad Kelly had in, in college or in general, as it's just like an athlete, man, I feel like you've, you've traveled around so much. You've been all over the place. You had so many successes um, at so many different places. What, what do you think your legacy, whether it be in the sec or in general is, or should be? Because I, like I said, I think, I think there's a big misperception of, of you in general. And, and we, you know, I'll tell you what, we talk about this when you look at NIL stuff now, right? Think about, think about how, think about having to explain some of these stories, NIL stories to players back in the day. Like when you have like, a Johnny Manziel or an AJ Green getting suspended for four games for autographs and making like like eight hundred bucks. You know what I mean? And now you're talking about these kids making three million dollars to go from Pitt to USC. What do you think? Well, let's, your legacy let's, is or should let's be. Stop it right there. Before the NIL deal, you're letting kids transfer without any penalty to right. any school. I did it the hard way. Mm-hmm. I could have said, Dabo Sweeney, hey, I'm I'm transferring. I'll see you. I'm going into the portal. No, I got yeah. an argument with him, and he and I had to sit out a year. And he put a, a stop where I couldn't go to an ACC program or I couldn't go to South Carolina. So, you know, the whole time I'm in the next day, I, I get, I get, or not even the next day, that day I get message from Hugh freeze that said, Hey, go to East Mississippi. And then you're coming to our school. And so the whole time I knew about it the whole way right. through, if I go to East Mississippi, I'm going to uh, Ole Miss. And so I think that's where it needs to change. NIL, 
look, everybody, whoever has more money is going to win, right? I right. Mean, yeah, you still need good coaches, but essentially, you know, you can go out and get exactly the player that you want with, with whatever type of money you got. So, right. you know, I, I, I think – Mm-hmm. I mean, the money is ruling college football now. It, it really is. It really is. You think that, like, I mean, that is a good way to put it. And I didn't, I never even knew about the South Carolina part. And this is just kind of, you know, off the cuff now since you just brought that up. But where would you, if you would have had the same rules that are in place now, and I don't mean NIL stuff, I mean, just the, without yeah. the transfer penalty, where would you have gone? Would you have gone to South Carolina? I mean, I was more than happy to play Clemson once a year. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know where I would have went. I, I you really got Spurrier there too at the, at that time. Yeah, he was, and you know they had um, they were going through a quarterback deal. Connor Shaw was there, and then when I left Clemson, it was it was Dylan Thompson, I believe, or or same person, person basically, yeah, like that. So there was obviously room room to play, mm-hmm. and um, you know there you never know where you could have went like i said right. you go to the portal next thing you know you're getting calls from 10 20 different people and you know i was thankful that i had 25 30 offers coming out of high school and yeah. you know tom luganbill told me specifically when i was at elite 11 he said if you didn't get in trouble your ninth and 10th grade year you would have been the number one quarterback and that's the same class as Jameis. and all right. and and if we go up and let's pull up let's pull up the 2011 2011-2012, I think it would be 2011 because it was before, uh, Under Armour game. Let's pull up those, those statistics. Let's pull up that that deal. You're not going to find – Pull it up right now. You're not going to find me as, in those highlights. I, I, had, I threw for the most yards anybody has in a game, and I still did it on a bum ankle. Bro, I'm, looking at these, I'm looking at these other quarterbacks right now too, and I, just, I forgot about – this is well, – what would have been the 2012 class, right? It would have been 2012. Yeah, but it you did it before you graduated, so it was really 2011, or was it 2012? I don't know. It, so I it think was, it would have been the 2012. First of 2012. Right. Um, hold on one second. This is I didn't. I didn't mean. I mean, you're a passionate guy too, man. I get like, yeah, this Jameson, Gunnar Keel, uh, Connor Brewer, oh man. I forget. Um, yeah, Chad Kelly. So see, and it's crazy too because like I think there's one thing I think we could all agree in society is that we need to really hang on to things that happened in ninth and tenth grade more. You know what I mean? I think that that's, if there's anything that I know about this life. I think that like, that's what, that's the mark of a person nowadays. It's ninth and 10th grade when you were 15 years old. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Obviously. Um, all right, dude, this has been great. Let me get you out of here on a, a quick game. We call two minute drill, a rapid fire game. Um, and it's just, it's just, like I said, rapid fire questions. We got between five and five and eight of these and uh, we'll put some two minutes on the clock and, and you're ready to go. Perfect. All right. First question. What sec fan base is most like Bill's mafia? Ole Miss. Well, if I agree with that, I like the answer. I know you got to say it, but it's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll give you points. They drink heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's also fair. All right. Uh, Bud Light or Labatt Blue? Bud Light. What? I did not expect that. All right. We'll give you some points on that. What's your, uh, what's your go-to show to binge watch on TV if you have time to watch TV? Narcos. Ooh. Deep. Have you seen Ozark? They just came out with a new season of Ozark I, today. Yes, I got to watch it. it is, I, I do like Ozark. Yeah. Are you caught up on it? Because it was pretty dark last, last time. It was. It was. I, gotta, I haven't seen the new season. I will watch that. I do got to watch that. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. On a scale of 1 to 69, how creepy is Landshark Tony from Ole Miss? Is that why you left? Landshark Tony. I don't know. That's the new, the new mascot. Oh. Uh, shout out to Ben Craddock. He knows what he's doing. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, the answer was 69 for sure. The answer is always 69. Uh, finish this question or this, uh, this sentence for us. Chad Kelly is a better rapper than blank. No one. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, I have to cost you 69 on here. I guarantee you I spelled it wrong. So there's that. Uh, all right. This weekend, this is the last one we got for you. This weekend, Garth Brooks played in Death Valley um, in LSU. What would be your bucket list concert to go to at an SEC or college football stadium? And why is it Swag Kelly involved him anyway? Future involved him anyway. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be legit. Yeah, it would be. Not Future and Bobby Dodd in downtown Atlanta? Mm-mm. This side. They, they, well, they, they, they would get it cracking for sure. They would for get sure. I'm going to add these up here. We got um, – that's a new high score here, Chad. That's a grand total of 69 points. That's, that's fantastic, man. We, we appreciate you guys having uh, or coming on. And um, tell everyone like what you got going on, man. Appreciate you, Fiji, always. You got a Fiji sponsorship? Let me get on that train. Fiji, Fiji, Fiji's taking care of everybody in the Kelly family, so thank you. Love it. Love it, man. All right, man, we'll have to have you on again soon. We appreciate it. Keep up all the hard work. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you for having me.